installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we discuss and review movies, TV shows, and anything else pop culture. Today, we'll be discussing the new trailer to the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series, as well as taking a look at some of our desired stories and concepts for future Star Wars media. My name is Ivan, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and director of photography for the infamous and very viral Star Wars Kid video from the early 2000s, Emmett. You shouldn't joke about that. They got sued. <laughs> they did. I mean, that's that's quite a story, though. Like to take the to they got one hundred sixty thousand dollars out of that deal. So, I guess he he got the last laugh at the end. I mean, we're still laughing at it, though. We we both went back <laughs> and rewatched the multiple viral Star Wars videos on YouTube, and they're still funny. You got to hand it to the early two thousands and those like you know like four by three boxed uh, format videos. Cause when you go back and you take a look at some of the stuff we used to laugh at back in the day, some of it still holds up. All of it does. Yeah. I mean, now it would be, you know, ruined with some kid yelling, smash the like button. Don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> or it'll be a 15 second TikTok video instead of a uh, full fledged two minutes and 18 seconds of glory there. Or like, Brought to you by, like, Squarespace or something like that. <laughs> Let me talk to you about BetterHelp.com real quick. <laughs> this, like, we are we are living in the 2000s on this podcast. We refuse to do sponsorships, even though many have reached out to us. Yes, uh, everybody wants a piece of us, but you, we're keeping the integrity of us clean. But before we talk about anything else, let's talk real quick about the importance of VPNs. Yeah, that, that lack of sponsorship was brought to you by <laughs> NordVPN. <laughs> if only. We'll get there. We'll get there. I don't even want to get there. Okay. Well, we won't get there. We'll take but our we, time. We do rely on people smashing the like button. So yes. if you want to go review us. Leave us a good review. Or a I'll bad you, one. Just I'll, let us know you're out there. I'll Venmo five <laughs> bucks to the person that gives us the best review <laughs> on iTunes. <laughs> well. All right. With your promise out there, let's move on then. <laughs> let's talk let's, trailers. It's been know, a bit. Um, it's been a minute since we've uh, recorded something here. I know we've we've <laughs> been we've been uh, kind of going back and watching the Batman several times, right? I think. Yeah, the pod went on summer vacation in late winter. Yes, winter vacation, <laughs> we like to call it. <laughs> in the, before spring. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, we uh, have Miss Marvel, right? Yeah. We have Obi Wan, and then I also want to talk real quick about Turning Red and Adam Project. I'll make it really quick, but let's uh, let's start with Miss Marvel because I feel like um, probably a little bit less to kind of talk about with that one. But you've taken a look at it, right? Yeah, I think uh, I think it looks pretty interesting. I mean, it's, it's very new. It's new, but it also kind of it gives me like extension of like Wandavision vibes like how a wandavision looked towards the end of it with some of those like monica rambo powers it kind of looks like a blend of that and um some of hawkeye as well stylistically speaking yeah and it, it's some of the humor from like maybe the spider-man series just because some of the like visual tropes that we're seeing like the little animations um they kind of remind me of those like credit sequences and like prologue and epilogue sequences for like homecoming and no way home no sorry far from home um no way home i think did away with some of that a little bit but mm -hmm. 
uh, yeah, this this strikes me as Spider-Man meets um, like a young adult kind of series, and it kind of has a little bit of peppiness in there. I'm excited to see what they do with the character. This is one of my um, one of the characters I was most interested to seeing brought to life. Uh, I don't like the the comics get a little like a little bit too political for maybe what the MCU has done in the past because it kind of tends to keep it a little bit more reined in uh, for the live action stuff. But I'm hoping they explore some of those details without losing some of the you know essence of the MCU there. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks fun. That said, like I'm not like you know counting the days down to watch the show, but I do think that they have a bit of a diversity in genre here going on. So um, I'm excited to see what they do with it. I hope it's good. And I hope it sticks to some of the elements that the comic book showcased. Yeah, I think the show, we we had talked about this offline. I think the show is going to be good for bringing in some new fans. Um, Although getting younger fans hasn't really been a challenge, but maybe making it so that younger fans can start to see themselves on screen since it's all just been i mean the the youngest superhero was tom holland and he looks like he's in his 20s in in spider-man so i guess it would be hard to connect as a kid so i think this will be good for that but you know as somebody who's been watching since iron man uh, i don't know i these this and like moon knight and just introducing brand new characters over the course of six episodes or so I'm starting to lose a little interest. I mean, I'm happy that it is making a diversity push and it's it's getting younger and it it seems like we're past the the Thanos type plot development where everything has to kind of contribute to each other, which can be a good thing because then it's like you can pick and choose what you're interested in. But for me personally, I actually did enjoy when it was like everything's building towards one threat and then it's all going to come together at one point later on. Yeah. I'm wondering if we're going to get back into that at some point, what I'd like to see in the future is these pockets where like you can go into it and enjoy, you know, a handful of characters to kind of have their own little story segments there. But I do hope we get some sort of unifying threat the way that we had with Thanos, but at the same, in the same vein, to your point, we're getting a lot of content, and I just don't want it all to be required viewing um, to follow that story. Like, I, I hope, like, before it used to be like the Avengers and the main Avengers members' movies that you would need to uh, stick to and watch so you can understand the full Infinity Saga thing. But maybe they can, you know, divert a little bit off from that and still have that, but keep it anchored to certain franchises. Um, but I don't know. To me, this seems like when I was growing up and reading comics, there's like 18 different comics uh, for a different for a number of different heroes. There was one continuous storyline throughout all of them, but you didn't have to keep up with all of them. So sounds like that's what they're doing here. Interesting concept, and I hope it works out. But you're right. This could lead to a lot of like uh, fatigue. Uh, Moving on, though, you you already saw. The couple of new movies that came out since the last time we talked, Turning Red being one of them, and then uh, Netflix's Adam Project. Yeah, so I saw the Adam Project first. Uh, I think the day it came out, it was um, it was a really cool uh, movie. I was mostly interested in it because I had heard that they were actually uh, tapping Sean Levy, the director, to 
to helm Deadpool 3. So I wanted to see what he does <laughs> with Ryan Reynolds beyond Free Guy because they teamed up for that movie too. I thought Free Guy was fun, but it didn't really like capture my attention all that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Adam Project I thought was a much better movie. Um, it kind of was a little bit more... It felt a little bit more personal and that also was as close to his original idea as you're going to get for like modern day storytelling with some of these films. It borrows a lot of elements from other movies, sure, but at its core, it's kind of a simple father-son kind of story with some time travel elements in there. I thought it was fun. Uh, definitely not something I would have gone out to theaters to watch, but I enjoyed it for what it was, and that was like a fun Netflix streaming movie. Yeah, where is Ryan Reynolds finding the time to do all these movies? I don't know. I thought he, I assumed he was working on Deadpool 3 this whole time, but apparently he's been off doing other stuff and being the owner of Mint Mobile, too. So <laughs> And Aviation Gin. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where he gets it. It must be his Canadian side because I haven't seen an American be that enthusiastic <laughs> about stuff. It's got to be the Canadian in, a, in a... It, It's got to be. <laughs> but all this logic there. <laughs> I also watched Turning Red, um, and that I think was the better one of the two movies. It's a Pixar's latest film. Um, I do got to say, I'm, I'm getting a little bothered that they're putting all the Pixar stuff direct to, uh, to streaming just because it kind of feels like they want to peg all the animation stuff into streaming, which the adult side of me is like, I'm cool with. But at the same time, I kind of want to see Pixar be recognized on the big screen still. Turning Red for me was probably my favorite Pixar movie in a while. Uh, it was really good <laughs> if you don't get if, if that hasn't been communicated at this point yet but um it offered up a lot of uh very interesting uh story points uh for anybody who i guess is a parent and like wants to watch this with their kids i will give you a quick heads up that there is some material i guess covered in this movie that is not super kid friendly depending on how you're raising your kids i guess i don't know um, but it, it kind of pushes territory into a kind of PG-13 rating in some spots. Um, not so much in terms of content, but rather the subject matter that's being discussed sometimes or at, like hinted at. Uh, but the movie was really well, really well done, had a really cool, um, diverse voice cast. Everybody did a wonderful job. Um, and this was one of those movies that I, I found myself relating to in a way that I didn't think I was going to just, you know, going off the cuff uh, from watching the trailers. But yeah, this 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 is one that I would have gone to see in theaters. So be that as it may. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since I've dug into some Pixar films, so I might jump back in on this one. Uh, if I was, or if somebody was, you know, really behind on Disney stuff, would you say watch uh, watch Turning Red or Encanto? They're on a very first. similar kind of level there but i i would probably advocate for turning red before encanto but mm -hmm. but if you're more into like the musical stuff that disney does some of the more classic disney feeling stuff then encanto is probably your best bet there yeah i did like coco coco was great but yeah those are my thoughts on the latest movies there um it it sounds like we have more stuff coming this month so i'm looking forward to kind of seeing what else is coming down the pipeline yeah i've been uh i've been slacking on movies the only like new thing I've started watching is the uh, Winning Time on HBO. It's the Magic Johnson show, uh, directed by Adam McKay, and I think it's this is like back on like the the Moneyball slash um, Big Short style of shooting. 
So I, I like what he what uh what we're getting out of this one so far. Nice. I I've been meaning to give that one a shot too because like I it seemed like something I definitely wanted to binge. Um, but how like is it is it dropping? It's it's a series, right? So it's drop. Is it's it, a week by it... week show. Uh, okay. I think two or three episodes are out now. Um. And it's very much so like the big short where they'll like pause and break the fourth wall and explain what's going on type of thing, like with contracts and with like clearing up cap space and whatnot. So it's like it appeals to that side of me of liking that part of the NBA as well. But it's also like, you know, you don't have to love sports. You can just kind of like the show as well. Right. Okay. cool. The last trailer we got uh, is kind of a big one for us, man. We got the Obi-Wan trailer. Yes, we finally get Space Jesus 2.0. This has been a long time. Yeah. Yep. I think you and I have shot over each other different fake trailers over the last two years. (laughs) Every time thinking it is because, you know, Desert and plus Obi-Wan, who Ewan McGregor constantly gets... um, uh, confused for Jesus and some of those memes that we've seen over the internet. But uh, <laughs> when I sent you this trailer, I think it was like the week it came out because we're a little behind on here uh, with, uh, on talking about this. But I, it took me a minute to, to for me to you know figure out that this is the legitimate trailer because some of it I'm yeah, like trust it yeah yeah I'm like is it is this Ewan McGregor as Jesus from that movie he did a couple years ago or is it actually Obi Wan? <laughs> Yeah, no, this is the real thing, and I gotta say, I'm very excited after watching this trailer. Yeah, me too. There's a lot of really cool elements here. I'm I'm a little interested to kind of see how they play off of the dialogue from A New Hope here, because I know there's a lot of like controversy behind should Obi-Wan have any encounter with Vader on this series or not, but the trailer doesn't give any of that away, if there is, but uh, I'm interested to kind of see because that that's, those are 20 years that are unexplored at this point in the Star Wars mythos, right? Yeah, and I think tying in some of the uh, characters from like the animated series again, bringing in some Rebels features is great. I mean, you don't have to watch Rebels. I still recommend that you would if you were putting it off, but. Um, it's cool to see some of those characters get onto live action because while you're watching animated shows, you're like, oh man, I would love to see what this person looks like in a movie or something like that because they're so cool. Yeah, definitely. So we're getting the Inquisitors on here. And my one complaint about the Inquisitors is I wish they would have brought back Jason Isaacs to to play the Grand Inquisitor because he voiced him in, on the Rebel series. But... Um, you know, I, I have no complaints about, um, you know, them recasting it. I'm pretty sure the guy's going to do a good job here. But Jason Isaacs is just one of those guys, man. Like, I still remember him in The Patriot being the evil um, British lieutenant or officer mm-hmm. opposite Mel Gibson. And I thought he played it perfectly there. And I think he was Captain Hook in that 2003 Peter Pan movie, too. I might be wrong about that one. but I'm pretty uh, sure. With Robin Williams. I think you're right. Yeah. Some, I'm really... Um, 
I'm, I'm excited to to see what they do here. Uh, that we didn't get too much, right? Like it, it truly was a teaser. We got a look at the Inquisitors. We got a look at uh, Joel Edgerton as Uncle Owen, which uh, you know we crack jokes about this offline, but like <laughs> those twin sons really did a number of John on <laughs> Joel Edgerton for them to wind up the way he does <laughs> in the New Hope just ten years after this point. Well, same with uh, Obi Wan. Like, when does he start looking like? Uh... Like Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he goes gray pretty fast, and we haven't seen it in this uh, trailer. But uh, one, I wanted to grab your thought on, uh, you brought it up, the Grand Inquisitor. It seems like the internet's very upset about stylistically how he looks, because he doesn't, he's not like a one-to-one of the animated series and the like the species, I guess, or race or whatever. Uh, had appeared in Revenge of the Sith. And this guy looks like they just put white paint on somebody and <laughs> yeah. called it a day. So what are your thoughts on that? I do think they kind of slacked off on the design there because, like, I, I don't... So, like, we had this debate with Cad Bane, too, mm-hmm. which I thought Cad Bane looked perfectly fine. Like, I, I had no issues with Cad Bane in Book of Boba. Just because they followed the model that they already established in live action, because we've seen that alien race in live action also. Um, here, I think if they had taken some effort to elongate that head of his a little bit, I think it would have gone a long way to satisfying a lot of the fans that wanted. But uh, I don't think it's a huge deal to me, like the way that some people are making a big deal out of it. But it did kind of throw me off just a little bit because this is a character we've seen already in animation and you know we we do have the template for the live action look so it to me it just seemed like they either ran out of budget to kind of make it work or you know you kind of have to guess like maybe somebody just didn't pay all that much attention to what they were doing there yeah it's like that wonder woman meme where it's like life is good but it could be better it's like <laughs> yeah. with Cad Bane, like, yeah, it was fine. But when like the fans get their hands on it and make it exactly like animated series, like, oh, but that's better. And I think the, that the same thing will happen here. Like, I don't think it's going to be that distracting that it doesn't look exactly like him. I think we're going to love the Ewan McGregor parts so much that I don't know if it's really going to matter. Uh, and maybe it's one of those things where it's kind of like Sonic, where they show us like the... the the first draft of it, and then fans get upset, and then they fix it by the time it airs. Maybe, but I think this is a harder thing to fix in post than Sonic, because Sonic is all CG, and so this guy, they'd have to CG his face, which unless they filmed it so that part of his face is CG, it'll be a hard thing to to address in post. Look, we have Disney budget, okay? Anything's possible. Don't tell me this can't be done. That's true, but you got Bob Chapek running things now. Bob Iger is gone, so Bob Chapek is like the cheapest guy <laughs> over at Disney. He's now the CEO, so I, I'd be less. I know he'd be he'd be less um, willing to splurge those Disney bucks there. Well, then I won't consume any more Disney media. <laughs> there. Well, I'm not staying at the Galactic Cruiser then for those six thousand dollars a night. That'll yeah. show them. With no windows, that thing is a ripoff, man. Uh yeah. Look, if they easily cut that price down to like, 
I don't know, 500 bucks a night, I will go stay a night or something just to say. Yeah, that's not unreasonable. (laughs) (laughs) You just named a price that was like totally normal. (laughs) Hey, if you like prices at market, I would go. (laughs) Oh, bold. Hey, we know kudos to those that can go. And I, I hope they have a good time there, but it just doesn't seem worth it to me. But the con like the content creator crowd can go. Yeah, they can tell us what's up. Yeah. I won't trust it, but they can tell us. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's all bought for. <laughs> all right, but anyway, so this uh seeing the Obi-Wan trailer kind of got us thinking um about you know, we we're definitely in this era of like TV show culture and content. It's much it's cheaper to make the movie it's like a, a way to soft intro characters or uh, give fan service to characters that uh, have been around for a long time but didn't get enough screen time. So, so I'm thinking like the Boba Fetts of the world. You get like a Falcon and Winter Soldier series. Uh, and now with Kenobi, it's just like it's clear that this is where we're going, right? I think it's like a fandom-driven content space now. Yeah, because... And I just kind of thought about this, you know, a couple of days ago, but like before with traditional television ratings would get you funding, right, for your show. Um, ratings and then also like how many advertisers can you fit into a commercial block there? But now it's like for these streaming services, the consumers paying directly to the, um, I guess, the, the, the content creators here, um, for lack of a better term. But yeah, it, it creates this culture of like, Give me, give me, give me more content. Yeah. But um, it's all, I think it's also being driven by the, like, every one of these studios is, or networks is creating their own streaming platform to get away from Netflix and HBO. So they need to fill up their shelves with something. So, like, Disney's just, uh, like, foot on the gas pedal creating stuff to give you a reason to stay, like keep your membership with them. That's true. And I, I think a lot of other channels are doing this as well. Yeah. And it, it, it's going to create a very risky scenario here. Cause I feel like, you know, too, too many shows you risk fatigue. Yeah. I, I kind of see it. Like it comes down to the quality of things. You know, for Star Wars, I feel like it's not quite as ripe for multiple stories being dropped at the same time. What I mean is, like, I don't want to be get into the habit where, like, in a, within a given space, within a given year, we have, like, six or seven Star Wars projects. I just don't feel like Star Wars is that big for that to be happening. Um, Compared to, like, the DC Universe or the MCU, which I think they can do it, but it's also, again... It's just like which one's gonna pull your dollars in which direction, right? Uh, but I think as long as they're delivering con- like consistent quality to these shows, there's always gonna be interest in there. But I do feel like we're building towards a cherry picking kind of scenario here, which is inevitable. We kind of touched on that when we talked about Ms. Marvel, but it, it's it's interesting to be observing this, right? Because just 10, 20 years ago, you liked the show. Uh, you make sure you're tuning in while it airs. And then now it's like, well, just make sure you're consuming it <laughs> when it drops. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it, I think it does start to create this fatigue for the fans. Cause I'm certainly feeling it with Marvel uh, with like, I don't know if I really want to watch moon Knight or miss Marvel. Uh, 
But I'm thinking, you know, it's also because we're living through it being aired. Whereas if I could be like, you know, two, three years down the road and I log on to Disney and it's like full of all these different shows that I haven't seen, that would be, you know, an exciting time. Because then you can, it's kind of like you were talking about before where it's like, it's almost like it is the new comic book store where you can pick and choose which characters are interesting to you, uh, who interacts with who. Okay, I'm going to go into this person's background because I know they'll appear in this movie, but I don't have to watch everything. So I think it's just difficult because we're living through this stuff coming out week by week. And the fact that Disney is like, yeah, as soon as one ends, we're going to start the next one. And it's like, okay, well, can I breathe for a second or no? Right. And I guess that that, that tailors down to also like as consumers, our habits have to probably adjust to what we need it to be. Right. Because the, the other like important thing um I read this article that said that uh, part of the reason why Netflix was such a big, strong hitter is because a lot of that content library is immediately available to you. So that's what it yeah. like got them inclined to release everything at once. Disney is not about that. Disney is about getting you into the subscriber model first because they want those subscribers. So like those new shows are there to attract you to sign up. The old shows are what's going to keep you. And they recognize that. So yeah, it's like it's so it's interesting because like as an MCU fan, I want to watch everything. At the same time, I'm like, if I do that, I'm going to over <laughs> overexert myself and get to a point where I'm not appreciating it as much as I should be. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think the other thing, the other problem that it does too is like, it's really hard to, you know, get a huge following behind a true hit of a show when there's a hundred shows out there like i'm thinking specifically i, I i'm not going to guarantee it now because i have no idea but i feel like this lord of the rings one could be like game of thrones level quality just like it's going to be amazing but it's also going to come out with like five other movies at the same time and a couple other shows going on it's like they're never going to be able to draw the crowd to them i mean they might be able to but it's never going to be as big as Game of Thrones because at the time when Game of Thrones was coming out, it was the only show coming out. At that time, we were still doing, you know, movie releases and waiting for the big screen. That's true. Yeah, it, it's it's not so much like you're competing for your dollars. You're also competing for time, which is becoming a precious like commodity. Nowadays. Well, and, and just like buzz. It, it's really hard to get people... Like, uh, these shows trend for a day, yeah. but then they drop off. And it's like nobody, like, when Game of Thrones was coming out, that's all we talked about for uh, the whole week until the next ep- episode came out. And then we talked about it for the rest of the week. Like, no, none of these shows have done that for us. That's true. Although, I, I will say Mandalorian creates that kind of buzz out of me. But, again, that's kind of, like, one out of, like, however many we've gotten dropped on us at this at this stage. You know, now that you mentioned this, though, like I, d- I do feel like we are at a point right now where, like, I-, I guess, like, you'd really have to go out of your way to amp up or like boost up a show's quality in order to kind of, I guess, earn that wonder and awe factor uh, from folks, right? Because like Game of one of the reasons why Game of Thrones was so good is because that quality was there. It was, it was so crisp and like kind of unknown to 
the rest of the market at that point. But right now, I feel like every show is kind of pushing the envelope at Disney. So I feel like that's not, you know, it's not quite as big of a draw for other for you know the mainstream viewer. Yeah, to me, it's just that like the quality is that you can support multiple storylines at one time and have it make sense and be a good use of time. Like that's that's the reason why I like Game of Thrones. It was there was five different people vying for the crown in one season, but everybody got like an equal amount of sh- sh- like airtime. Or if they didn't, it felt like they did. But then you get something kind of like you know Falcon Winter Soldier, where they literally only had maybe I guess they had three plot lines, like the new Captain America, the like the terrorist group, and then Falcon. But it didn't feel balanced, and it didn't feel like the, that one just didn't have a, like a lot of action to support being a superhero movie. But you know what I mean? Like the, a lot of these shows now don't really know how to balance timing. Like look at Boba Fett too. Because I feel like there's still the Disney stuff, and I'm talking strictly about the Disney stuff. Because when you take a look at other content, I feel like they got the they got it down. Like, take a look at Daredevil over on Netflix. They balanced it perfectly. They balanced multiple storylines perfectly. But for the Disney stuff, I feel like the folks behind it, and even just kind of paying attention to who's directing some of these things, these are filmmakers coming in to make TV shows. And so these shows look like extended movies instead of shows. So I feel like they're following that. Like, you're right, Falcon and Winter Soldier... If you condense it down to a movie, I think it flows beautifully. But if you're looking at it week to week release, it just doesn't satisfy that itch that Game of Thrones did because it knows it's a show. And this one over here, this show is kind of playing out like an overextended MCU movie. Yeah, that's a great point. But now that we've talked about, like, you know, like the problem with this, uh, let's go ahead and, and show our support and discuss ideas for shows that we would want to see. <laughs> These are the shows we're going to show for. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would have no problem with this issue if they do my choices for shows. Of course. <laughs> Before we talk about ones that we've thought of, have you seen the headlines of uh, Samuel Jackson saying that he wants <laughs> Mace Windu to come back on Mandalorian? I did, and I've also seen um, Bryce Dallas Howard's response to... I, I didn't see the response. What What did she say? She basically was kind of like a wink and a nod kind of thing. Like, like anything should, can happen. Yeah, like you never know. I um, think it would be amazing. Like his quote was like, there's been a long history of like characters <laughs> that have survived having a hand cut off. Um, and his name got thrown around a lot when Snoke was being like, you, the, there was still mystery behind Snoke. Um, and I really got like, that was when I got hyped. Like, oh man, I would love to see him come back. Cause yeah, like all he did was have his hand cut off with the lightsaber, which that happens to, like in every movie. I'd love to see like crazy, kind of insane Mace Windu that's kind of lost his mind because of everything he's been through. I, yeah, I think. If it was going to be him, it's going to be more of like him as a refugee and like just feeling extreme guilt because he didn't stop Anakin when he could have. Like, I feel like Obi-Wan takes on a lot where he's like, I kind of I didn't stop Anakin. I, I could have been better to him or whatever. Like I could have trained him better. And he, he shelters a lot of that burden. But I bet Mace would also kind of feel some of that pain. 
Well, there's that bit where I think it, it was like an, a behind the scenes for Revenge of the Sith where they asked George Lucas, like, could Mace, was Mace actually about to beat Palpatine or was it a ruse? And he says, like, yeah, Mace probably was one of the only two Jedi between him and Yoda that could have beat Palpatine. And in this instance, he wanted to portray that, yes, technically speaking, Mace beat Palpatine and was going to deliver that killing blow. So that's got to be a lot to shoulder on to, like the fact that you were this close to stopping the Empire from being built and it just, you failed. Yeah. Yeah, and I could see him being like, you're like going dark a little bit because he also was one who was like kind of balanced between uh, like following passions and like power, I guess. I think some of the expanded universe stuff like, I think they talked about his, like, Jedi technique or something kind of touching on the dark side just a little. So it could be interesting to explore that side for sure. How would they fit him into Mandalorian? I don't know if they could fit him there. I mean, then again, though, we still have that big mystery of who took Grogu from the Jedi Temple, right? And mm. I think this could be a way to fit him in there. I mean, yeah, he would he would have been in the area. He could have gone to the temple, gotten Grogu out. I would think, though, that by the time of Mandalorian itself, I don't think he'd be alive. I think he would have been dead before the original trilogy happened. So I think if, if he would show up in Mandalorian, I'd maybe like it to be like a reference of him taking Grogu out of the temple and then maybe explore his side of stuff on the, on its own like kind of show. You would want an entire show for him? I feel like I would. Yeah, I think there's enough content there. Like the fact that he survives is interesting enough, but there's so much content that you can go through within those first 20 years or so that are not really all that explored at the moment. Um, and then maybe the way that you introduce that concept is through Mandalorian and just saying that Grogu was taken out of the temple by an injured Mace Windu. Yeah. And have him say, you know, Mother Flubber at least once. <laughs> <laughs> Because we also, like, we do need more background on Grogu of, like, why did the Empire know about him or want him at the beginning of Mandalorian? Yeah, why were those pirates protecting him? They were protecting him, but then there was also a bounty out on him. So it's, like, how do they know where to, like, like how to put that bounty on him? Like, yeah. we would need some more flashback uh, yeah. bits and i think that would be a great spot to fit him in sounds like a bad batch plan <laughs> um <laughs> b plot right there i like that yeah that would be good it would be cool to explore it but uh outside of that what were some of your thoughts on uh shows you would want to see uh i'll put i'll i'll, I'll uh, kind of not go in order on my list here real quick but <laughs> Uh, just to kind of stay uh, stay the course here, I'd like to see a young Obi Wan Kenobi series. Uh, How young? Know, like like when I'm talking like before Phantom Menace. Um, the only reason for this is you know with Kenobi coming out this year, I got a little nostalgic of some of the older <laughs> you know young adult Tales of the Jedi books I used to read. These were the ones that would come out before the Disney sale. Uh, and so a lot of them would explore like Obi-Wan's past, like before Phantom Menace, when he was like growing up with Qui-Gon Jinn as his teacher. 
Uh, and we never really got to explore all that much of that in live action for obvious reasons, right? Like it was focusing on the Skywalkers. But mm-hmm. I think this would be a cool way to bring back Liam Neeson into in, into live action and also explore some of that untapped story there. Because I, I want to see how much of that old canon they can bring back into the new. Because uh, I don't think those books are considered canon anymore. Uh, but... There were some interesting stories, like the fact that Obi-Wan was kind of like um, like he almost didn't have didn't get a Jedi Master just because he wasn't quite as skilled with the force in the beginning. Uh, and it was Qui-Gon that helped him kind of flesh out his skills. So I don't know. He's he's Obi-Wan's my favorite Star Wars character. So I would love to kind of see more of his backstory, but somewhere away from like the current uh, focus of the Star Wars universe. So I thought that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I would love to see more young Jedi stuff when the Jedi Council was still around. Like, those were some of the cool uh, arcs in Clone Wars when they went to, like, go get their kyber crystals and the cave and they had to have their force visions to in order to find them. Like, if you can work in some of those, like, cool training things, I think that would be a really entertaining show. Show us Obi-Wan as a Padawan. <laughs> I think that alone is a pretty interesting concept to 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 flesh out in, in in the show. I'd like that. I'd watch it. One I had was um, most of my knowledge is from like Clone Wars and Rebels, so I'm not as uh, I'm not up on those books like you are. But I would love to see Mortis, the like the balance and like the epicenter of the Force in the in the galaxy it's like a planet that had a i guess what was that like three or four episodes in clone wars so i don't know if i want to see a whole show on that but i would i think i would like to see like the cgi luke go there uh and i'm thinking i guess after like in this time of mandalorian where he's like searching for the wayfinders that Ray mentions and he has like all those journals and he found like uh, that place where he put the Jedi temple. But I wanted to see like maybe him discovering where the force is coming from, just like his father found. That'd be interesting. I, I'm hoping they do that with uh, either the Ahsoka series or, or Mandalorian. Cause one thing I kind of forgot until uh, more recently, the the daughter in that father son daughter trio there, mm-hmm. she's partially responsible. I think she either gave her life force to Ahsoka or she revived her somehow. But um, you always have that visual of that little convery uh, owl looking bird following Ahsoka everywhere in animation. She was also in the the Mandalorian series and some of the mm-hmm. scenes she was in. So I kind of think that they're they're hinting at that we're going to go back to mortis or have some some of that explored so but yeah i'd I'd be i'd be so down to explore that because i feel like that was that always touches on the more like spiritual aspects of the franchise and you don't always get that you you got that in return and sorry in empire strikes back with yoda's dialogue but outside of that i think that mortis stuff was the closest we got to and they tried to do it in last jedi and actually i didn't mind that part where Luke is like he wants to destroy the the original Jedi temple inside that tree, but that he can't bring himself to it. And then Yoda like force projects him there. Like that was a that was a pretty good moment. Um, 
but I th- I would love to see like younger Luke trying to discover what it means to like be a Jedi and what it means to, like to be connected to the Force and where does that come from? Because I feel like a lot of that was skipped, and I think that's definitely a part that was like, how did we get? How do we make this jump of him like setting up his school and then turning his back on the Force? Was yeah, it just definitely... the bit with Ben? It's, it, it's got to be more than that. And, and I'm sure they'll they'll try and do what they did with the prequels and, and Clone Wars here. Because I, I, I feel like after watching Clone Wars, I love the prequels. Whereas before, you know, <laughs> I had a complicated relationship with the prequels prior to Clone Wars. But after Clone Wars, it kind of gave it a little bit more um, meaning, I guess. So hopefully they do that with the sequels here, too. Yeah. All right, what else you got? Um, so I got two that are kind of polar opposites here. So I'll just go with one real quick here. But I, I do hope that we get something. You know, we, we talked about Game of Thrones kind of having a little bit of a sense of uniqueness. But I would hope that we get to explore the Knights of the Old Republic era. Uh, I'd like to see something in particular set in the past, like way before the Phantom Menace, way before the Rise of Skywalker stuff. Uh, it would be great to kind of pull in from some of the old expanded universe stories or the old video games they had. They always talk about like that uh, Darth Revan character um, showing mm-hmm. up constantly. Another, uh, and I think it was supposed to show up in Clone Wars as a ghost, but they cut that part out. But that's an era that's very far from the timelines that we know, and it would allow some creative liberties to be taken into account. Because that era, the uh, the old Republic era it was a time before they had that whole rule of there can only be two Sith Lords. So it used to be a time of like the Jedi army versus the Sith army. So that'd be interesting to see. Uh, and I think it would work great as kind of like a political kind of action thriller uh, that could, they can take their time with fleshing out a lot of these um, components on like similar to like a Game of Thrones meets Star Wars kind of vibe. Yeah, I would say and and would like the Senate be around in that era, or is this even before it, that? Uh, it would be around that, and I, th- I think this is around the formation of the Republic. So it would be, I think, That'd the way cool. that the stories are normally constructed is like the Sith would always partner with the Mandalorian against the Jedi's, mm-hmm. uh, and that was their big conflicts before. Like that was the wars that they would start. So the Jedi would be trying to help and like establish a government. For the galaxy whereas the sith are like all about chaos and all that so that'd be really cool to see like that balancing act like plus if you've es- ever seen espionage those... style if i don't know if you've ever seen these but they have those cinematic trailers for the old republic mmo game mm, can't remember those yeah, if you have some time, you should check those out. They they kind of paint at least a little bit of the picture of what uh, those stories were about. Um, this is the, you know, this is I think right around when the prequels were being released that they would release a lot of these uh, different books that were taking place during that time. So I wouldn't want them to stick to that. I'd want them to come up with something a little bit original, but just tie in some elements from there. Uh, but yeah, it, it 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 sounds like an interesting time, right? Like imagine like a Jedi temple and a Sith temple full of students on both sides. Like it just sounds like an interesting time to explore. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely within like the last one I was talking about. Like 
I, I just want more of like when the when both were kind of at their heights, but they weren't at conflict. Like I want to like I want to see the Jedi Temple actually filled out. Like we see that like hardly in Phantom Menace, and then in Attack of the Clones, like what they sent, they sent like two hundred something to. Uh, Geonosis and only like 20 of them survived that fight or something like that like we we, we see like we only get to see Jedi die and I want to see them like actually be smart for a bit or what they think is like them, them being smart or just their day to day which I don't think we ever got a sense for like before the war it's a lot of like council meetings <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that a little bit yeah all right, so my last one is uh, I'm kind of thinking like a pod racing, like a drive to survive, like F1 type show uh, where like some humans trying to like make it big on the Tatooine circuit. And he has to like, you know, work on his like mod his vehicle and like qualify for races. And like I could see there being a lot of like drama with like some of the other racers or whatnot or like getting in deep with like the the huts who would be ruling it at that time like i could see that being a pretty interesting show because i I loved that pod racing game yeah that'd be pretty cool maybe bring in vin diesel and have it focused on the theme of family (laughs) yeah that could be f20 21 or whatever we're on (laughs) <laughs> that's when they cross over <laughs> <laughs> they go into star wars yeah well my, my last one is a uh idea on post of rise of sky post rise of skywalker which is basically like I, I i like what we're having at the moment i like mandalorian i like a lot of the stuff that we're exploring but there's part of me that wants to see star wars progress into the future a bit and just kind of push on like maybe a hundred years after the sequel trilogy um i'd like to explore that like go past jedi sith and just kind of give us the next big idea here i think you go crazy with it too if it's a show um because i feel like it's a little less risk it's less risky when you do it when you explore new themes with star wars on a show versus when you showcase it to the mainstream audience via movie because i feel like that's when fans become a little bit more precious about um their star wars content on the big screen yeah i think i would like to see them try and support star wars without a skywalker i think that would be interesting but i do like the idea of these shows where there's like a a void of power after some like one of the organizations has been dethroned or taken out like i like to see what fills it and i think they do have that opportunity with like the first order being gone and ray is like the last jedi again we've been here before so like what does she do with that um i don't know if that's like another trilogy or if that's just like a show continuing on there's also the fact that apparently uh, i don't know if you saw this but daisy ridley was asked if she would return as ray or she'd be open to it and for the first time because the last time she was asked that she's like though i think i put away that entire chapter behind me and now she's basically saying, like, yeah, I'd be interested to explore her character further. So if they do anything with Ray, I, I do hope that they kind of do her justice and 
you know, give her a solid script and actually have an idea this time <laughs> instead of throwing poor Daisy Ridley around um, with different concepts there. Yeah, I actually liked her in that. I mean, they could have done better with some of, like, the plot stuff for her and, like, surrounded her with better storylines. But I thought, like, her as a Jedi was actually pretty good. I love Rey. I, th- I still think she's one of the one of my favorite Star Wars characters out there. But I just think that they overcomplicated things after Last Jedi. Uh, I, I enjoyed her segments of Last Jedi. Uh, but the Rise of Skywalker stuff feels like it tried too hard to get rid of Last Jedi. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was to the detriment of her. Because then they, you know, they kind of, they, they really didn't focus on anybody in that last movie. So I feel like they really got to, like, commit to something and then just deliver on that, you know? Yeah, and that's a whole other podcast episode but yes. i think this is a fun idea to like just come up with a couple ideas here i mean it's probably a good thing that we're not in charge because we would go really random with our with our shows <laughs> but yeah i i think there is just like there's so many things they can pick from so i totally understand that they are creating a lot more shows but i guess they probably just need to consider what that does to the fan base like is it oversaturating them and eventually pushing people away as opposed to bringing in people? Right. And they got to stop bringing Palpatine back from the dead. Yeah. That's, that's number one. Yeah. No more clones. He's gone. That's it. No Snokes (laughs) either. You clone him once, you can clone him again. (laughs) No, we can't. That entire facility got destroyed. (laughs) Let's just put it to bed. (laughs) Yeah. Well, facilities can come back. Could be in unnatural ways. <laughs> Palpatine's just the eternal villain for this series. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awful. But I, I like what we have here. I think uh, I think we'll keep thinking on some of these show ideas. But yeah, uh, we're looking forward to uh, seeing some of these ones, especially Obi Wan for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I think that that uh, that pretty much wraps us up for 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 now. Until the next Obi-Wan trailer. Right, exactly. Or maybe <laughs> if we eventually get a Thor trailer. Yeah. Is that too much to ask for? Or a release date for Bad Batch. Like, what, what happened to that show? Yeah, I am interested to see if we're going to get any, like, surprise stuff for May 4th. I hope so. I really hope so. You know I'll be bothering you on your little trek across the country with that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, I think we can cut it there. So uh, if you have any fun ideas that you're listening to this and you're thinking of shows that you would want to watch, feel free to uh, shoot them at us on Twitter at BT Fourth Wall. Otherwise, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening.